Okay, so this morning I have the joy of um, uh, sharing God's heart for you. And I really believe this is a message for you wherever you're at. Um, and if it's not for today, maybe it's for next month. So keep it, catalog it, store it somewhere. Because I really believe God wants to strengthen his people today. I'll be, I really believe he wants to encourage our hearts. He wants to... Um, yeah, just let, make us aware of his presence wherever we find ourselves. And the title of my message this morning is God with us. God with us. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is with us. God is with you. God is with me. Amen. So, Father, I thank you that you touch our hearts even as we've prayed. Others have prayed. I've prayed. You speak to our hearts and you, you strengthen us. Open our hearts to receive from you this morning, Lord God. Would you do something special in our midst? In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I just want to encourage you that God really wants to speak to you. So as I'm here speaking, don't take this as my word. In your heart, say, Holy Spirit, I've come to church this morning. Will you speak to me? Can you do that? Will you speak to me through this woman who's standing there? You speak to me, and I guarantee you, he'll speak to you. Okay, so have that heart attitude. So, so God wants us to know that he is with us. And what I find so fascinating and really encouraging and interesting about God is that our walk with him is such a journey. And it's a journey where there's seasons. And in each season, he'll often be revealing different aspects of himself to us. And, you know, sometimes if he wants to reveal to us that he's Jehovah Jireh, he takes us into situations that are really difficult and we can't provide for ourselves. Amen. But he's revealing that he's Jehovah Jireh and he's trustworthy. And today I believe he wants to reveal himself to us as the God who is with us, Emmanuel, the God who is with us, also known as Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there. So wherever you are, the God who is there with you. And in Matthew 1 verse 23, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. The Lord is there where we are. He's there where you are. He's in that situation that no one else knows about. He's not remote or far off. He's not how some of us have pictured him in heaven with a big stick, just watching us, making sure we don't step out of line. No, he's actually with us. He walks with us when we walk through things in life. He is with us. Yes, he's here when we're meeting with him, uh, meeting with others in his name. He's there in our praises. But when we walk out that door and we go out, into life. He is with us. Amen. God is still with us. He's there in the fire. He's there in the trials. He's there in the tests. He's there when you're walking through the waters. And that's what I'm wanting to encourage us this morning, that God walks with us, that he is there. And we're going to see that his solution to our problems and our challenges in life is that. He says, I am with you. That's his solution. Okay, which is very encouraging. Now, if I look across the Joburg Church, if I look across this church, there's so many challenges that we're in. Various, just various seasons of life. Some, the challenges in marriages, the challenges uh, for provision, for breakthrough, the challenges with new seasons, with new starts, the challenges with health, the challenges with kids. They, there's so many challenges and different types of challenges that I see in our church, but God is with us no matter where we find ourselves. 
Psalm 139 verse 7 to 10 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Isn't that encouraging? In the NLT, it says, I can never escape your spirit, never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there, down to the grave. Come on, is there death in your life in any areas? If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride in the wings of the morning, if I dwell the farthest parts of the ocean, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Come on, how many of you say, Lord, I want your hand to guide me and your strength to support me? All of us do. Amen. And that's his promise to us today. I love this scripture in Psalm 139. It says, I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. Even in darkness, even in the darkest of dark, Lord, even when it gets so dark, I can't see the way out. You know what? I'm not hidden from him. Amen. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same. They're the same to him. He can see us. We can't hide. Very encouraging. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20 says, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then, surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Surely I am with you. And yes, that promise is in the context of us being about his work. Amen. It's in the context of the dominion mandate, in the context of, amen, yeah? So we need to be doing his work, but you know what? He is with us even to the very end of the age. And this morning, what I'm wanting to do is look at Jesus in the storm, look at the disciples in a storm, look at some promises of God for us when we're going through trials, when we're going through the fire, um, look at some things that we need to think about when we're in the midst of these challenges, and also look at some tools and weapons that God has given us in the midst of difficult circumstances. So are you ready? Can I take off? Are you ready to be encouraged this morning? Yes, amen. Okay, so the first example that I'm wanting to look at, the first piece of scripture, and I love the word, so you are going to get a lot of word this morning. The word is our strength. It fills us. It feeds us. Jesus in the storm. Jesus in the storm. And there are three accounts of this. There's one in Mark, one in Matthew, one in John. And if you look at all of those accounts, it paints a very interesting picture. And to me, it paints a picture of everyday life because Jesus in late afternoon says to his disciples, you know what, guys, I'm sending you across the sea. You're going to go across to Capernaum and I'm going to stay here and pray, but you guys are going to go. So you know what? The disciples obeyed. They climbed in the boat and they set off on the boat across the sea. And Jesus went up and began to pray. And you know what? It wasn't plain sailing for the disciples. They obeyed the Lord, but it was difficult. It was really difficult because it says that they rode and they rode and they rode all through the night. And Jesus came walking to them in the fourth watch of the night. So that means that Jesus only came to them in the early hours of the morning. And if you look in those three accounts, you see that they rode only three or four miles. Now, they rode, so that means they rode all night. For, and, and they only rode three or four hours. Now, I'm a swimmer, 
And a swimmer, a decent swimmer, can swim four miles in two hours. Two hours? Two hours a swimmer could swim four miles. They rode all night, and there were a number of them, and they only went four miles. Do you know how difficult it must have been? It was tough. But they'd obeyed the Lord. But it was tough. Why do we think that when God has sent us, it's not going to be tough? Why do we think when we're walking in obedience to the Lord, it's going to be easy? Because when I look here, the disciples were struggling. I mean, there was water coming in their boat. There was waves. There was wind. They couldn't see Jesus. They didn't know where he was. They didn't even know if he would be coming anytime soon to rescue them. And they, had to, they were struggling just to keep the boat pointed in the right direction and keep it moving forward. Now, I feel like that sometimes in everyday life. Come on, moms. How many of you sometimes feel like that? You've got this to do. You've got work to do. You've got the household. You've got the kids. You've got sport. You've got pickup. You've got drop-off. You've got this. You've got that. You're just struggling to keep the boat pointed in the right direction. Okay? This was the disciples, but Jesus had sent them. And it says, if you go and read in the particular, in, in those three accounts, you'll see that Jesus was praying for them. Did they know that he was praying for them? Probably not. It says that Jesus saw them straining against the oars, against the elements. Did they know that he saw them? Probably not. Okay. Could he have seen them through that inclement weather? Probably not. I would imagine the Father showed him a vision of them straining against the oars. So Jesus saw. Jesus knew what was happening. And you know what? At just the right time, he arrives on the scene, and then they were at their destination. But the point is this, that God, when we're walking in obedience to him, sometimes the waves get really big. Sometimes the wind blows fiercely against us. Sometimes there's more resistance because we're doing what God has called us to do. And we just got to keep the boat pointed in the right direction. We just got to keep rowing, knowing that he sees knowing that he'll arrive at the right moment, knowing that even if it feels like we're walking two steps forward and three steps back, he's still going to arrive. We're still going to get to the promise in his time. Amen. It also reminds me of the accounts when Jesus said to his disciples and Mark, he said, let's cross over to the other side. And there were a number of boats that uh, over, over, the, over this body of water. And there were a number of boats that went with them. And Jesus got into one and promptly fell asleep. Okay, And I think you know the one I'm talking about, Mark 4, verse 35 to 40. And it says that a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat. Come on, how many of you feel like your life sometimes is like that? A great windstorm has risen up. The waves beat into the boat and it was filling up. Maybe some of you feel like, Lord, my boat, it has already filled. Now I'm trying to swim and the water is up to here. I'm just trying to breathe, Lord. Can you just kindly do something? And they, the disciples felt like that. And they said to Jesus, teacher, do you not care that we are dying? We are about to perish and you are sleeping in the front of the boat. What is, what is up? You know, maybe some of you feel like that. Lord, can you not see my situation? I'm actually at the end of the end. If you do not come through right now, I might not survive. Okay? You are sleeping, Lord. I can't see your hand. I don't even feel your presence. Are you even with me in this? I can't hear your word. And you know what Jesus said to them? He said, peace, be still. I think he said it to the wind, and he also said it to the disciples. Amen? Because the disciples allowed the storm that was on the outside to become the storm in their hearts. So he had to say to them and to the storm, be still, peace. And I think when we're in these situations, it's really important that we keep the storm on the outside of our hearts. 
We keep it on the outside and we keep peace on the inside. Amen. And Jesus says, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now, I don't know what his plan was. I don't know if they were going to just survive like that all the way. Okay. But the point is this. He was there and he was enough. And in our lives, we have to remember that, that he is with us and he is enough if we're walking in obedience. Amen. And the thing is that in both of these cases, those disciples were obeying him, weren't they? They were obeying him. They encountered waves. They encountered winds. And it was bad. But Jesus was enough. Okay. So what is God's promise to us in the storm? What is God's promise in the trials? And I love, this is one of my favorite scriptures from Isaiah. Isaiah 43 verse 1 to 2. But now, thus says the Lord, go Christian church who created you. Thus says the Lord, Maroping, Vanessa. Thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Lerato. Thus says the Lord. You can insert your name there. He who formed you. Fear not. Fear not. Why? For I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name and you are mine. When you, does it say if you pass through the waters? Does it say if? No, when you pass through the waters, you will pass through waters. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Beautiful promise. Beautiful promise. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Another scripture from, from Isaiah. Fear not. I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. You are mine. I am his. I belong to him. When you pass through the waters, trace, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, trace, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, trace, it will not scorch you. You will not be burned. Hallelujah. Fear not. The first thing the Lord says to us about walking through difficulties is fear not. Fear not. Because that's the first thing that we do. That's the first place the enemy wants to get us. As soon as we begin to fear, we move out of faith. Amen. Fear not. Why should I fear not? According to that Isaiah scripture, it says, firstly, because he created me, because he formed me, because he redeemed me, because he calls my name. It's because I belong to him. He knows how I'm wired. He knows my weaknesses. He knows how I'm, everything about me. He knows, and he's with me. He knows me by, by name. It means he can pick me out of a crowd. You know, sometimes when we're praying or when we're in situations, we think, I don't know if you think this, like, does God hear my voice out distinctly from everyone else's voice? Does he hear my heart's cry distinctly from everyone else who's worshiping right now, who's praying right now? Yes, because we are his. We are his. He knows me. Like, think about it, parents, from a, from a parenting perspective. You can be in a room, especially moms, you can be in a room next door and your child is with other children and your child starts crying. Do you know his voice? You know his voice, right. And what do you do? You drop everything and you go and see what's happened. 
That's what God is saying. You are mine. Come on, as humans, there's something about us when it's my child, my dog, my cat, my husband, my when it's any when it's ours, when it's our loved ones. It's sensitive. There's a compassion. There's something we carry, right? We how much more God, we are his. How much more God? We belong to him. Okay? And when we are going through something, he says, I will be with you. <laughs> I love that. You know, it's so, it, if, it, if it's not God, it can almost come across arrogant, you know? Like that's the solution. But it's not arrogant because it's God and he is enough. He's like, you're going through this and this and this and this and this. Don't worry. I'm with you. And you're like, yes. <laughs> and? <laughs> and he's like, no, you don't get it. I am is with you. I am is with I am is with me. I am Jehovah Jireh provider is with me. I am Abba Father source comforter is with me. I am source. He's my source of strength. He's my source of hope. He's my source of plan for my life. He's my source of purpose. I am is with me. He's my source of strength. I am the righteousness of Christ. He's my righteousness. He's everything I need. He is the God of the breakthrough. I am the God of the breakthrough is with me. Hallelujah. You can go on and on and on thinking about that and unpacking that. But when I am is with you, it really is enough. Amen. I will be with you. Al Shaddai, the God who is more than enough, is with you. Do not fear. And remember, God's perspective is eternal. So when he says, do not fear, I am with you, he already sees tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And he already sees what you've imagined when, when you're imagining the disaster to hit. He already sees that. He already sees what's going to happen there. Amen. And he thinks like this, this particular scripture from Isaiah 51. I, I'm the one comforting you. Who, what are you afraid of or who? What are you afraid of or who? Some man or woman who will soon be dead, some poor wretch destined for dust. You've forgotten me who founded the earth, the God who made you, who unfurled the skies. And here you are quaking like an aspen. That's a small tree. Quaking like an aspen before the tantrums of a tyrant who thinks he can kick down the world. But what will become of the tantrums? The victims will be released before you know it. They're not going to die. They're not even going to go hungry. For I am God, your very own God, who stirs up the sea and whips up the waves, named God of the angel armies. I teach you how to talk word by word, and I personally watch over you, even while I'm unfurling the skies, settling earth with on solid foundations and greeting Zion. Welcome, my people. He's with us. And he's God, and we need to remember that. He's not some little, little puny God we carry inside of us. I remember when my kids were small, they said, and it was a valid question, Mom, if Jesus is so big, how can he live in my heart? That's a good question, right? And Jesus doesn't live in our heart. It's the Holy Spirit, right? But God is so big, and we need to remember that. He's actually creator of the whole world, and he walks with us, and he is enough, and sometimes he brings us to places where we can't see him, where we can't see the way out. And he does that on purpose because he wants us to remember who he is. And I love thinking, I love remembering the Egyptians at the Red Sea crossing. Remember the, Egypt, uh, the Israelites at the Red Sea crossing. Remember they'd come out of Egypt and the Egyptians were pursuing them. And Moses had led the Israelites out and they came to a point 
at the Red Sea, where the Red Sea was here, there were mountains on the one side, and there was the Egyptian army on the other side. So for all intents and purposes, the Israelites were trapped. They were all packed up, all ready to go, but they couldn't go anywhere. There was nowhere to go. And God hadn't showed them what he was going to do. And God loves to do that to us. He loves to do that to us, not because he's, a, he's malicious, he wants to show us, he wants to bring us to a point where we start relying on him, where we start to learn how to walk by faith and not by sight. So if I look at the Israelites at this point, they were trapped, they were effectively toast, weren't they? They were finished. In all natural, if I look with my natural eyes, they couldn't go across the Red Sea, they couldn't go up the mountains, they couldn't go this way because the Egyptians were there, they were hemmed in, they were trapped, okay? And I think that's how most of the Israelites saw it as well. And maybe for some of you, you feel this morning, you know what, Lord, in my situation right now, I'm actually trapped. I have nowhere to turn except if you show up. The situation looked hopeless for them from everyone's perspective except God's. What was his solution going to be? I am is with you. <laughs> I am is going to fight for you. I am is going to sort out your enemies. You know, make no mistake, the Israelites still had to cross the Red Sea. They just didn't sit and fold their arms like some of us want to do and be passive. They still had to go across the Red Sea. They still had to walk across the, the ground. But God knew what he was going to do. And he had a plan. And he was going to be enough for them. He didn't reveal it to them. You see, sometimes when we're in difficult situations, we sit there and we can't see God's strategy. He doesn't reveal it to us. He just says, trust me. <laughs> I am with you. Trust me. For some of you, this is for you. I am is with you. And he's got the solution. You just have to trust him. God didn't reveal it to the Israelites. He wanted them to trust him. He wanted it to be a test of faith. They still had to wait out the whole night not knowing what was going to happen. The whole night. How many of you know when you're waiting for something, a minute can seem really long? They waited the whole night and they didn't know if tomorrow they were going to die or not. But at the end of everything, the waters did not overflow them and God was with them and he sorted out their enemies. Amen. In Exodus 14, this is what the Lord said to the people through Moses. Do not be afraid. Stand still. I don't know about you, but when I'm afraid, the last thing I want to do is stand still. Okay? The last thing I want to do, the first thing I want to do is start doing something. Okay? But he says, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians, the enemies whom you see today, you will see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. The Lord will fight for you. And you see, sometimes the Lord brings you into a point because it's a, it's a, a double-pronged approach. Number one, he wants to test us and help us to rely on him and walk by faith. Number two, he wants to destroy those enemies forever. Amen. He's always got multiple plans. Amen. So God is wanting us to know that he is with us. He is with you. Whatever you are going through right now, He is with you, and that is enough. Amen. 
Now you see, with God, sometimes he, he restrains our physical senses from being aware of his presence or being aware of his plan. So we can be in a situation where something terrible is happening and we can't hear him. Come on, how many of you that, you, you felt like that? You actually can't hear that voice from the word when you read it. It's you reading it and you know you're doing what you have to do, but there's no quickening of the word to your heart. Maybe you come to prayer meetings and everyone is saying, wow, this amazing presence of God. And you stand and you're thinking, well, I... I can't feel any of it, you know? Wow, isn't this amazing? The glory, the worship is amazing. You're like, yeah, okay, well, for me, it's just a thing of faith right now, okay? Sometimes we find ourselves, we come into our, our closet or we're wanting to pray. We don't feel him in our physical senses. We don't get that sense of his presence with us. We don't get visions or however he usually speaks to us. And sometimes he does that on purpose. And I'm going to show you a couple of examples from Scripture. And the first example is Luke 24, Verse 30, at Luke 24, verse 13 to 17, and on to verse 30. And basically, these two disciples are walking on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus has died. And in their minds, their king, who was going to come and basically take over their world and restore order with you know, everything happening politically around them, that king died, and all of their plans and hopes and dreams kind of died with them and they're struggling to understand it and they're feeling discouraged, okay? They don't know where he is and what has happened. They're not understanding the season that they're in. And it says in Luke 24 that two of them were traveling to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So Jesus, his death, what happened, what it meant to them. And so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so they did not know it was him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? So they were troubled. They were sad. They were talking with each other, trying to work out these things. And Jesus comes along and he starts to walk with them. And their eyes were restrained from seeing him. See, sometimes we're troubled and it's difficult. And God actually restrains our eyes. And, and, and we don't know that he's with us. And Jesus begins to talk with them and unpack. If you carry on reading that particular chapter... He begins to unpack what has happened, and he explains it to them. And sometimes when our eyes are restrained, when our um, Jesus' uh, his presence is hidden from our physical senses, he wants, us, he wants to reveal deeper spiritual truths to us. Amen. There's something deeper at a deep spirit level, spirit to spirit, heart to heart, that he wants us to get at this particular season. And so he explains it to them. And then in verse 30 of that chapter, it says, Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, this is at the end of the day he goes in to, uh, to eat with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it, to him, gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they realized it was Jesus. See, sometimes God does it on purpose. So wanting to encourage you, that if you can't feel or hear him like you usually do, and you're in a difficult situation, don't be discouraged. It might not be something that you have done per se. Maybe he's trying to communicate something at a deeper level to you. Maybe he's trying to get you to walk by faith. Amen. Okay. Another example, Mary at Jesus' tomb in John 20. Jesus has died. Mary is, is heartbroken. Okay. And she stands outside the tomb weeping. And she stoops and she looks into the tomb and she sees two angels. And um, 
They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she says, because they've taken away my Lord. I don't know where they've laid him. And when she said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus. So she saw Jesus. And then it says, and did not know that it was Jesus. Her eyes were restrained. Sometimes in our situations, it's God that is at work. But we don't know that it's God. Sometimes things happen that are because of his fingers and his hands, but we can't see that. Our eyes are restrained. And Jesus says to a woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? He starts speaking to her and she responds and says, uh, she, she, supposing him to be the gardener, says, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. So he spoke to her as well. So she saw him and didn't recognize him. So he spoke to her and she didn't recognize his voice. And that happens to us too. Sometimes we think, Lord, I don't sense you. I don't see you. I'm not even hearing you. Where are you? But he's there. He's still there. Just because you and your finite senses aren't aware of it doesn't mean that he's not there. And then Jesus says to her, Mary, and she recognizes that it's him. And then her eyes are opened. Okay. Another example, the disciples, also after Jesus died, they, were, they locked themselves up in a room and they were afraid of the Jewish leaders because they'd been associated with Jesus. And in John 20, it says, on the evening of the first day of the week, the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. you see, sometimes we can be so locked up in fear. We think Jesus surely can't penetrate this place. He's still able to penetrate that place. Amen. And he comes today, if you are in that place, and he says, peace be with you. But I find it interesting, this particular, what happened at this particular room. There's another account of it in Luke 24. And it says that when he said, when they said these things, Jesus himself came and stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace be with you. But they were terrified. They were frightened and supposed they'd seen a spirit. So they thought he was some spirit that they saw. They didn't recognize him. Sometimes we can be in a situation and God arrives and he starts to speak to us. We can be so terrified we don't even recognize that he's with us. Amen. And then he says to them, look at my hands and my feet. See, it's me. It's Jesus. And then he reveals himself to them. Hallelujah. Jesus is with us when we walk through storms. Jesus is with us even if we can't see or feel or hear. Doesn't mean he's not there. Amen. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. When you walk through the fire. See, the fire is symbolic of difficulty, of trials, of purification. Amen? When you walk through the fire. God can also use fire to turn us. See, some of you might be sitting here, and, and, and I'm not talking about trials that, are brought, that, are, that come upon us because we're walking in obedience. Uh, disobedience to God because sometimes we hit fire and we hit trials because God is so merciful and kind that he's wanting to hedge up our way because we're going in the wrong direction okay yes he's still with us but I'm not really talking about that fire today I'm talking about the fire when you're walking in obedience to God and you still hit difficulties when you walk through the fire when you walk through the fire you will not be burned I love the exa an example of this in Daniel when 
you know, the three, Daniel's three compatriots, um, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they would not bow down to the image of Nebuchadnezzar. They would not bow down to the idols of the time. They would not subject themselves in the same way as all the other people to worldliness. They refused. And the king was angry, okay? And he says to them, okay, well, I'm going to throw you in the fire because you won't bow down to this God that we've set up. And so they say to him, basically, King, my God is well able to save us, but even if he doesn't, we will not. We will not bow down to that, which I think is awesome. I think we have to have that type of integrity in our hearts. But then the king gets his strongest men from his army and throws those three, those three guys into the fire. And it says that those strong men who threw them into the, who threw them into the fire died because of the heat of the flames. But then it says the king is watching this whole thing and King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished because he saw these three men who had fallen into the midst of the, of the burning fiery furnace. And he says, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And everyone around him answered and said to the king, yes, O king, true. And he answers and says, well, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. Remember, you shall not be burned when you walk through the fire. And they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. So God was with them in the fire. Can I ask you a question? Do, well, I'm going to ask you anyway. Do you, the king could see the fourth man who was the Son of God. Do you think that they could? Maybe. Maybe not. We don't know. But the point is this, that God was walking with them in the midst of the fire. And it says when they came out of the fire, they didn't even smell of the fire. They didn't even smell of smoke. smoke. No hair on their head was singed. There was no touch of fire upon them. You see, sometimes when we walk through the fire, we just got to walk through it and know that God is walking with us whether we see him or whether we don't. Amen. Exodus 3 verse 1 to do. Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back end of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked and, he be and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. I love that. The bush was burning on fire, but the bush was not consumed. You see, whenever we're on fire and it's God's design that we were in the fire, it was God's design that that bush was on fire. It's never his design that we are consumed by the fire that we're in because of obedience. Amen. He never wants us to be consumed by the intensity of the difficulties that we find ourselves in because of obedience. Okay? It is not God's desire that we burnt up in our fire. The angel of the Lord, that's the pre-incarnate Christ, okay? God is familiar with being in fire. Amen? The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. God is not afraid of fire. God is not afraid of trials and difficulties. It says in Exodus 14 verse 22 that when the Egyptians were one side and the Israelites were the other side and there was a pillar of fire and cloud in between the two armies and the Israelites were very afraid. It says that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and troubled the army of the Egyptians. God can still see you in your place of fire. <laughs> God can still see 
you in your place of fire. He can see through that difficulty. He can see through the trials. And he can still trouble your enemies even when you're still in the fire. Amen. There is no fire you are in that God can't see through or into. Okay? God is accustomed to fire. Exodus 19, it says, The Lord descends upon Mount Sinai in fire. When we find ourselves in impossible situations, and I'm talking about situations brought, not talking about situations brought about by disobedience. I'm talking about situations brought about by our obedience, by listening to the Lord, by following his plan, by following the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And we're walking and we like the disciples where the waves get really big and the fire gets really hot. I'm here to tell you today that God is working in us, that he's forming us, that he's shaping us, that he wants us to see by the eyes of faith. He wants us to grow up and be mature and walk by faith and not by sight and he's doing something he's probably pleased with you if you find yourself in that place he's probably pleased with you he's probably saying okay you know what I'm going to give you a test because I want to promote you and there's no promotion without a test and you know what I'm going to be with you in your test I'm going to be with you in your fire and I'll speak to you and lead you and guide you and I'll bring you out the other side and I'll promote you because his plans for us are for good and not for evil to give us a hope to give us a future amen now, a few things to remember as we are in this place, some of you, some of us, most of us, in a place of tasting, in a place of difficulty, I want us to think about these things. He may be asking you, who do you say that I am? He may be asking you, he may be saying to your heart, what are you saying about me? Who do you say that I am? And I'm not talking about who you say that he is to your friend, who you say that he is in public when you're at Ignite and you're praying in front of everyone, who you say that he is to your kids or, or when you're preaching from the pulpit. I'm talking about who you say that he is when no one is watching and when it's hard. Who your attitudes say that he is. Who your thoughts say that he is. Who your prayers say that he is. Who the words of your mouth to your closest friends say that he is. If God is watching you right now, who are you saying that he is? By your actions, are you able to step out in faith and trust him? Is he Jehovah Jireh or do you need to make your own plan? Because although you confess that he's Jehovah Jireh, you always want to have a backup plan in case he's not. Yeah. Who do you say that he is? And we see this in Matthew 16. And I've shared, I think I shared this a few prayer meetings or so ago where Jesus comes to Philippi and he asks his disciple, what are people are saying about me, the Son of Man? Who do they believe I am? And all the disciples seem to have an answer. Well, they're saying this, they're saying that. This is what the people say. You know, maybe we can say, oh, yeah, Lord, I listened to that preacher on TV today. This is what he said. And, oh, I listened to Trace Nimura this morning, and this is what she says. This is who she says you are. And this is who Pastor Paul says you are. And this is who Pastor Stuart says you are. And this is who my mom says you are. And Jesus says, but you, who do you say that I am? So this morning... You, who do you say that he is in the midst of your trial? Who is God? And only one disciple answered. So only one had a revelation of who he really was. In this church, I hope that you have a revelation of who God really is to you, a personal revelation. So Peter responds, Simeon, and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And the Jesus says to him, you are favored and privileged because you didn't discover this on your own, but my father in heaven supernaturally revealed it to you. 
Sometimes we need an experiential reality period to learn who God is, where we experience that portion of his character personally. And sometimes that's why we're in trials, because he wants to reveal aspects of himself to us. And it's interesting what Jesus then goes on to say, because he says, I give you the name Peter, a rock, and this truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation on which I build my church. You see, God builds on a revelation of who he is. He needs us to have a personal revelation of who he is from the Lord that he can build in our lives, that we can pray because then he goes on to talk about, um, I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom to forbid on earth what is forbidden in heaven and to allow uh, release on earth what is uh, released in heaven. That's prayer. That's forbidding, that's binding and loosing. And we need a revelation of who God is in order to pray with authority. Amen. So these things are important. Okay? There's a revelation of who God is that is personal, that is truth, that is the foundation upon which he wants to build your life. Come on, there are revelations of God that I have in my life where I've walked a walk and I've walked a journey. I didn't get to stand here by just sucking my thumb and getting married to my husband. Okay, you didn't get where you are today by just sucking your thumb and marrying that person or getting that job. And there's somewhere that God wants to take us where he needs us to get a personal revelation of who he really is. You see, I know, like I know that God is Jehovah Jireh because I have walked through some challenges in my life that you don't even know about, that it's been so hard that I have not known where I'm going to sleep tonight. I did not have any cash. I did not have any job. And God came through every time, every single time. God is Jehovah Jireh, and I know like I know. And yes, sometimes he comes through at the 24th hour, at the very last minute, at the very last second. But you know what? He is faithful. He is faithful. When my mother and father forsake me, he will take care of me. I've experienced that. That is my personal walk. That is my personal revelation. What is yours? What is yours? My kids can't build their Christian life on my revelation of God. They have to have their own. You can't build your Christian life on my revelation of God. God wants to give you your own revelation of who he is. That you can stand and the rivers can be up to here. And you know like you know like you know. Lord, I'm just going to keep standing because I know like I know that I belong to you. That you have redeemed me. That you will not forsake me. That you have gone before me. That you have made a way for me. And even if the waves are really big. And I want to be afraid, and maybe I am afraid, I will still choose to stand. Amen. And God wants us to be that type of church. That is a strong church. A church in relationship with her God who knows, Lord, I know this is who you are. You can put me in the fire, but I know you're with me. You can put me in the ocean and the sea, but I know you'll make a way. You can put me with my enemies just in front of me, but I know you set a table before me even in the presence of my enemies. Amen. God is faithful. He wants us to know that today. In Isaiah 31, it says, Woe to those who run to Egypt for help, trusting in the might of their multitude. Their confidence is not in God, nor do they consult with the Lord. 
Woe to those who make their own plans on the side. Woe to those who corrupt and offer bribes to get their own way. Woe to those who rely and trust on their past things that they used to use to make a way and refuse to look to God. Woe. That's a very strong word in the Bible. When Jesus said woe to Chorazin, woe to all of those cities, they no longer exist. Okay? Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. He shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its root by the river, will not fear when heat comes, its leaf will be green, will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease for you yielding from yielding fruit. That is our portion. Amen. As children of God, that is our portion because he is our river, he is our stream, he is our source, he is our provider. We can still continue to produce. We live by another economy. Yes, the economy looks like this. Many people are saying, do you think the economy is going to go like an economy just further north of this country, you know? What do you think? We're in fear. Many people are leaving the country. Well, I just want to say to you that the safest place to be is is in God's will. So if it's God's will that you are here, you make sure you stay in God's will. You don't go out because of fear. The Bible says that you shall go for, go out with joy and be led forth with peace. God is calling you with joy and with peace to leave the nation. Hallelujah, do it. But if you are leaving because of fear, you're leaving because of the wrong reason. We have to learn to operate by another economy, a higher economy. It's called God's economy. Amen. He is our river. He is our source. He will make a way. He will provide. I don't know how, but it's not my job to know how. Amen. It's not your job to know how, but God makes a way. Psalm 1, blessed is the man walking not in the counsel of the ungodly, standing in the path of sinners, sitting in the seat of the counsel of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, in his word, in his promises, he meditates day and night. He shall be like that tree that I just mentioned, planted by the streams of water. Amen. Bringing forth its fruit in season. Second thing that he may be doing. So he's, who do you say that I am? Sometimes it's a test of, of who do you say that God is? And you know what? God is gracious, and I say this often, that we don't, and, and it applies to me too. We don't get to fail tests and never take them again. We, we get to take them again. Okay? Now, I don't know about you, but I would rather not take certain tests again. You know, if he wants to teach me about being my provider, I'll be like, and you know, he often tests us at different levels, hey? So I want to pass this level first time because I don't want to be in a place where I have to trust him like that, you know, where it's really tough. I'm going to pass it and go to the next level. Amen. Okay. So first thing, he's, he may be asking you, who are you saying that I am? Second thing, he may be testing you. I want to read these scriptures over you. James 1, verse 2 to 4, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And you'll say, huh? Joy? Trials? Count it all joy when you fall into, pure joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, endurance, perseverance, and let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, mature, complete, and lacking nothing. So God is not, and we've been saying this to our kids, God is not concerned about your comfort, most of all. God is more concerned about our character than our comfort. 
See, we're concerned about our comfort. We want to have this, have that, make sure this is paid, bank account looks like that, this house, this holiday home, this car, this school, this, 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 these clothes, all of these things. And we're looking at all these things, and God's eyes are fixed on something completely different, you know, on our character, okay? 1 Peter 1 verse 6 to 7, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the, at the revelation of Jesus. Our faith is precious. Romans 5, verse 3 to 5. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope, and hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured in our hearts by the Holy Spirit given to us. See, God needs to take us through difficult times. Go church. Because he needs to do a work in our hearts, he needs to teach us to persevere. He needs to help us to grow up. He needs to help us to mature. And that's what the scripture is talking about. You know, I had a dream at the end of December last year. And in the dream, my coach was giving me a pair of running shoes. And um, the running shoes were called, they were Nikes, and they were called Analyte, A-N-A-L-Y-T-E. And I remember in the dream, she gave them to me just before I was going to run a 21K road race. And in the dream, I decided not to use them because I thought that they wouldn't give me enough support, like for my feet. And um, in, in my dream, I believe my coach symbolized the Holy Spirit. And analyte, I looked it up, and it means a substance whose chemical constituents are being identified and measured a substance whose chemical constituents are being identified and measured. So God was saying to me, I'm giving you these shoes. What are shoes symbolic of? It's a calling. It's a season. It's something that he's calling you into, right? It's like I'm giving you these shoes because your chemical constituents, Trace, I'm wanting to identify and measure them. In other words, you're going into a season of testing. That's what he was telling me, okay? But I remember in the dream, I decided not to wear those shoes because they weren't supportive enough. And it's, it's similar in the natural. I was once told that I need um, more stability shoes. And I've worn them for many years and developed an injury from that. And I've discovered now that I actually don't need stability shoes. I just need neutral shoes. And so it was interesting because I just found that out before I had this dream. But what was all that about? God was saying to me, I'm wanting to test you, Trace. And you think that you need more support then I'm going to give you, but you don't. And if you use too much support in your life, you're going to hide and cover over inherent weaknesses, and you're actually going to get injured. See, sometimes in our lives, we like more support. We like a job where there's a paycheck at the end of every month. We like things where we know like we know for sure. There's all of that support. And sometimes God is calling us into seasons where he says, you know what? I'm actually wanting to test you. I'm wanting to see what's in you. And if you go for that, first of all, it's going to injure you. Second of all, you're going to mask any weaknesses that I'm wanting to deal with. You see? So God is a good God. And what I'm, what I'm sharing with you, it's not like... It isn't applying to me. See, and I believe there are a number of people in our church in various seasons of testing. And I want to encourage you to run the race that is set before you with the shoes that he's picked out for you. 
with how it looks right now without trying to make your own plan and make sure there's more support and there's more this and there's more that because you want to be sure of whatever you want to be sure of. God is with us and he knows how he's leading us and where he's leading us. So what do we do in these times when we find ourselves in times of testing, when we find ourselves in the fire, we find ourselves in the water, we find ourselves in challenging situations? What do we do? First of all, I think we need to understand that God wants to reveal himself to us. If you find yourself right now in a situation that is difficult, challenging, a trial, you can identify with anything I've said, God may be wanting to reveal an aspect of his character to you. He says, in Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I want you to enjoy success. I do not plan to harm you. I will give you hope for the years to come. You will call out to me. You will come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. When you look for me with all your heart, you will find me. See, in our hurried lives where there's very little margin, I don't know that we allow ourselves time to look for him with all our hearts and wait to hear the answer. Because we're on a schedule. 20 minutes, pray. 30 minutes, Bible reading. 30 minutes, this, then this, then kids, then this. There's no, there's no fat in our lives. There's no margin. God says, you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. So that's the first thing. Understand that God wants to reveal himself to you. The second thing, understand what tests you may be going through. Understand, say, Lord, give me understanding of my times and seasons. Give me understanding of any tests I may be going through. Listen, I want to know when I'm going through a test. I want to know if it's a test because I know that I can make sure I pass, okay? And I want to know what's being tested. I don't want to study history if it's a maths test. Amen. We can ask him. The Holy Spirit is with us. He is our teacher. He is our guide. And a, and a test that he loves to take us through is are we going to live by his word or by our feelings? Are you going to live in the natural, by the natural, or by his word and what he said? In Deuteronomy 8, verse 1 to 3, it says, All the commandments which I command you this day, you shall be watchful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember the way the Lord led you these 40 years to humble you, to prove you, to know what was in your mind and heart. That's why God humbles us. That's why he tests us. To see whether you would keep his commandments or not. You see, sometimes he takes us through situations to see whether he'll, we'll keep his commandments. And it's not because he doesn't know, but it's because he wants us to see. Because I think some of us aren't aware of the depravity of our own hearts. And he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna. You see, if they haven't been hungry, they might not have eaten what God provided for them. Sometimes God causes us to have certain hungers and needs because he wants to lead us. He wants us to go where he wants to take us. And fed you with manna which you did not know, nor your fathers, that he might make you recognize and know that man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, that he might make you recognize and personally know, personally know, individually know, a revelational and experience personally, that man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And Jesus quoted that in Matthew 4. When, he, when he's being tempted by the enemy, he said, Man shall not live and be upheld and sustained by bread alone, but every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. What word is coming forth from the mouth of God over your life right now? Come on, what word is coming forth? What has he said to you yesterday, today? What has he said to you this week? What is the preceding word? 
Because that word is your sword. That is your weapon, people. This whole message, you can take something out of it, but you find what is for you. You find what is your weapon, what is your promise in this, in this message. We need to get to God every day and say, Lord, what is your preceding word? Lord, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? I said to, to, to Sister Gracious, you know, I'm wanting to be held accountable in terms of this particular Bible reading program that I'm doing. I've been doing a Bible reading program this week on parenting. And you know what my sword is from that particular message? And it, le- it, it ties up with this. You know, when Hannah took Samuel and, and, and gave him over to Eli at the, in the temple of God, and it was a fulfillment of God's promise, she said, it says that she lent him to the Lord all the days of his life. As a mom, as a mom, to trust my kids when I see the situations that they're in. Samuel's not in church today. He's at SA Rowing Champs. He's doing a sport that causes him to be away from church a lot. I'm like, Lord, just like you said, just like Hannah had faith to leave Samuel with Eli and his sons were wicked. His sons were wicked. They were wicked. They slept with the woman at the temple gates. They did wicked things. You know, sometimes we look at our kids and we're like, oh, Lord, look at the world that they're going into today with that stuff on. They can get access to on phones, on gadgets. Oh, Lord, I'm afraid for my kids. And you know what? My promises, my sword, which I have, the Lord will still be with my son, even wherever he is in the midst of wickedness. Even if he's with Hophni and Phineas type of people, the Lord will still be with him. Amen. That's my sword. What is your sword? When I come to pray, I stand on that. Lord, I will give him to you. Even as you say in your word, you are with me. Lord, I know that you are with him. You are with my kids. What is it for you? What is your sword? You know, David says to Saul, when Saul wants him to wear his armor, he says, the Lord who delivered me from the lion and the bear is the Lord who will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. And I've said, Lord, you are the same Lord who delivered me from my giants, from my lions and from my bears. Lord, would you deliver my kids from their uncircumcised Philistines? What is your sword? You know, the word of God is the sword of the spirit and it has to be a now word. What is God saying to you now? What did he say to you today? What did he say to you yesterday? What are you going to take to him in your time of prayer and use as a sword against the enemy? All our other weapons are great. They shield of faith, you know, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, all of those things. But your offensive weapon is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That is the thing that we can stand on in faith and say, Lord, I know that you said this. Therefore, we need the word in us. I think we need more of the word in us. I can feel it right now. We need more of the word. As a church, as a people, we need more of the word. I encourage you, get a Bible reading plan. Choose a topic and make yourself accountable. Learn, grow. You know, my challenge, I go back to the same scriptures that I love. Same scriptures that he's given me revelation from and through. And and I use them in prayer. But I need a now word. You need a now word. Amen. Okay. Who is your source? Behold, God is my helper and ally. The Lord is the sustainer of my soul, my upholder, Psalm 54. We need to understand God is not surprised by what we're going through. He's not moved by the waves that move me. He's not, he, 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 what, what do you do when you see waves? What do I do? Do we accuse? Do we get into action mode? Well, God doesn't do that. He's not surprised. 
And I think something that we else we need to remember to do when we find ourselves in these situations to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Strength. You know, it's easy to pray. When you come to pray and there's that spirit of grace and supplication, you just start praying for people, for other people. But we need to learn to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Ephesians 3 verse 16 says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Be strengthened with might. About Abraham in Romans 4, verse 19 to 22, it says, And not being weak in the faith, Abraham did not consider his own body already dead. He was already a hundred. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that what God had promised he was able to perform. He strengthened himself. Colossians 1, for this reason we also do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Important that we pray these things, being strengthened with might in, in, our, in a man. Do you remember David? Another example, David, he had wanted to fight with the Philistines. They rejected him. He came back to Ziklag, three days travel, and his whole city was burned with fire. All their wives and kids, everything was taken away, plundered by the Amalekites. What does he do? Okay, well, first of all, let's, let's, let me just read this. It says, David was greatly distressed, for his people spoke of stoning him. So first of all, the Philistines, who he'd been faithful to, didn't trust him. Second of all, he comes back. His wives, his kids have been obliterated. Third of all... His own men want to stone him. They want to kill him. What, what would we do in that situation? But it says here, David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Now, I don't know what that looks like for you, but when we find ourselves in these situations, we have to learn to strengthen ourselves in the Lord, our God. And it says that he strengthened himself. And then a, a few lines further down, it says, so David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue them? And the Lord said, yes. You some, see, sometimes we rush into pray, pray, and we distress. We haven't strengthened ourselves and we're not ready for God's answer because we're not strong enough to handle it. We won't actually walk in obedience because we don't strengthen. We have to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. And, and I'm going to be landing this message just looking at some weapons and some things that you can use to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Because when, we walk in, when we're walking through the fire, when we're in the middle of the rivers, the waters, they're overflowing us, when we, the waves are really big, when the wind is blowing, when there's resistance, when we're feeling weak, when we've rode all night and we have nothing left and we spent, we have to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. And then we can inquire of him, Lord, what season am I in? Lord, shall I pursue this troop? Lord, what do you want me to do? But we have to strengthen ourselves. And, and that's basically getting your weapons from the white general. Because when we're in the middle of that situation where we're feeling weak, we're feeling spent, we're feeling discouraged, there's our king who is our general, our true general, and there's the enemy who's another general, and he'll whisper things. He'll whisper things like, oh, look at you, you know, and look at that bank account. And God said he would be faithful, but look, where is he now? And you know, can you even feel, yeah, you, I can't. And then he'll start talking to us in, in first person. So we think it's our thoughts. And I can't even feel his presence. And he hasn't spoken to me in so long. And we start to listen and we start to agree. And then we start to throw a pity party. 
Well, I just, I think God doesn't hear me. I think he has everybody else, but he just doesn't hear me. I think over me, there's just this cloud. It's just like there's this, you know, glass ceiling. I just, you know, Lord, I don't think, and we're getting our, our instructions from the wrong general because the instructions according to God's word is, are this, all manner of prayer, the prayer of agreement, and all these scriptures are in the notes. Pray at all times on every occasion in the spirit with all manner of prayer. Keep alert. Praise and thanksgiving. That's another weapon. So it's ma all manner of prayer. Prayers of agreement. Phone someone up. Please pray with me. Pray, um, uh, praise, thanksgiving, and worship. That's a weapon. Remember Jehoshaphat, the enemies of God coming against him. They called a fast. And the Lord says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand still. Position yourselves and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will get for you this day. And what does Jehoshaphat do? He sets the praise and worship team at the front of the army. And the Lord said ambushes against the enemy. That's a picture. That's a picture of the power of praise and of worship and of thanksgiving. You know, this week, this, this, since my husband has been away, been incredible resistance. It's been difficult. It's been difficult. And this morning I woke up and I had that song. You know that song by Michael W. Smith, This Is How I Fight My Battles. I played it on repeat. I don't know for how long. This is how I fight my battle. Just praising, just praising. Garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Powerful weapon, praise. Gets our focus on God and it breaks that spirit of heaviness. And you know what? Raquel sent me a message this week saying, Pastor Trace, this and this and this and this has happened and it's warfare. What do I do? I said, you know what, Raquel? Make a list of all of your weapons. Start with the ones that most often work for you, most effectively in spiritual warfare. And start at the top and work your way down until it breaks off. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. What are your weapons? For I, can, I can make a list. It's praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, praying the word, meditating on the word, praying in tongues while meditating on the word, praise and worship, thanksgiving. I can make a list of all of them. Prophesying, calling forth, hiding myself in the word, standing on the word, standing on a scripture. Also, write down your weapons and when you're in intense warfare, especially over your hearts, work your way through those weapons and say, Lord, show me which one is going to work for me. I remember once we were on a cruise and this demon manifested in our cabin and it was awful. I woke up and there was this thing and it was big and it was revolting and it was a wolf and, it, and its mouth was open. And normally, you know, you just rebuke it and it goes away. Okay, I rebuked it and it didn't go anywhere. Then I started with praying in tongues. It didn't go anywhere. Eventually, I got to praise and it went away. See, sometimes we just got to work our way through until we hit the thing that's going to work. Pleading the blood of Jesus. Have your list. Okay, praise and worship. Peace. Peace is a weapon. Guard your peace. Keep your peace. If you don't have peace, bring yourself into a place of peace. Philippians 4 verse 6 to 7 says that to not be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication, make our requests known to God that the peace of God can guard our hearts and minds. We make foolish decisions when we're not in peace. Peace guards our hearts and mind. We need to guard our peace. Joy. Joy is a weapon. Nehemiah 8 says, do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Sometimes praise, when we're breaking a spirit of heaviness, first is praise, then comes joy. Amen. Faith. Faith is a weapon. Yes, I know it's a shield, but it's also a weapon because it's by faith that we make progress in the kingdom. Amen. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, shod your feet with, feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Above all, 
Shield of faith. We can't pick up our shield of faith if we're not picking up the word of God because faith comes by hearing the word of God. Amen. Okay. Truth, which I was talking about now, the word of God, the prophetic. What is his word to you right now? It's the sword of the spirit. And last of all, the last weapon, which I want to mention before I close, is love. Do you know love is a weapon? Love is a weapon. I remember hearing a professor talking and he was saying, he was a professor of theology, and he was saying that he believed, and he did his doctoral thesis on love, and he believed that love was one of the most powerful weapons in the world. And then he went on to explain why. And he said, because it was love that overcame darkness once and for all. When God sent, gave his son because he loved us, that overcame darkness once and for all and made a way for all of us. And so sometimes we have to just take a step back and say, Lord, what weapons are you wanting to give me in this season? Maybe he's teaching your hands to fight. Maybe he's training your hands to war. And he wants to teach you about new weapons. And he has to give you an enemy to fight because if he didn't, you wouldn't bother to pick up weapons. Amen. And so I want to encourage you this morning that wherever you find yourself right now, whatever water you may be walking through, whatever trial you're going through, whatever test, whatever difficulty, that God is with you, that God hasn't left you. Maybe your eyes are restrained from seeing him. Your ears are restrained from recognizing that he's the one talking to you. Maybe you can't feel him. Maybe you just feel the fire. Maybe you're in the fire and you can't see that he's the fourth person in the fire with you. But God is with you. He hasn't forgotten. He hasn't forsaken. His promises are still yes and amen. His promises are still good in your life. And he is with you. Amen. Amen. So won't you just bow your heads and close your eyes. Then there are two groups of people that I'm wanting to speak to this morning. The first group is you are in a fire, but you know that it's probably because of your own disobedience. You've disobeyed God in one way or another. It can be really big, it can be really small, it doesn't matter. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord this morning, to make your life right with Him, to Respond to the message and say, Lord, I want to be right with you. I want to pursue you 100%. The second group of people is you, as, as I was sharing this message, the Holy Spirit was speaking to you and you know that it's where you are right now, that maybe you're in a fire, you're in a trial, you're in a test, in a difficult space. Maybe you're in a space where you can't see, feel, hear, uh, have, a, have a touch of Him. If you're in that place and you're wanting to, I'm going to pray for you, you see. Would you just slip up your hand so I can see, did you fall in, if you fell into any of those two categories that I mentioned? Okay, you can, with every head bowed, every eye closed, you can just stand. If you want to make your life right with the Lord or if you want to, you want to say, Lord, that's me. I need, I need prayer this morning. I need to be strengthened. I need to be strengthened. I'm going through stuff. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your people. Thank you for your sheep this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your angels, your ministering servants here right now. Come on, you can all repeat after me. Father, where I've walked away from you and disobeyed you, Today I choose to turn and walk in complete obedience. 
May you strengthen for me, me for this, Lord. Amen. I don't want to embarrass those. That's why we prayed it together. I don't want to. I'm going to pray for the others who stood. Father, those who are standing in your presence. Lord, these are your sheep. These are your people. These are your flock. Father, right now I ask that you would strengthen them and their inner man with your Holy Spirit. That your angels would minister to their inner man. I thank you, Lord, for faith to arise in hearts right now. For a strength, Lord God, and a resolve to be imparted, a perseverance and endurance to these people even right now, Lord. Shuraya. The Lord says to you, I see. He says, I see. I'm a God who sees. I'm a God who knows. I'm a God who understands. And I am with you. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you make a way, even where there seems to be no way. Lord, I call forth faith. I call forth faith. Come on, pray for people. If they're standing around you this morning, Lord, right now, we call forth faith. Oh, Lord, we say faith arise. Lord, we break off unbelief this morning. We break off unbelief this morning in the name of Jesus. There's a blindness that's come to some of you because of unbelief. We break that off you right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The Lord says to you, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good. Plans for good. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Some of you have been coming against witchcraft as an agreement. Your church come against, comes against witchcraft, against your people this morning in the name of Jesus, whether it's domination, whether it's control, whether it's intimidation, Lord, or whether it's black magic, whatever it is. We refuse witchcraft. We break its power off. Some of you feel sleepy when you come to the word of God. Lord, we break off that power of witchcraft that causes people want to sleep when they read the word, when they come to pray. Oh yes Father we declare over your people this morning that no weapon fashioned against us will prosper in the name of Jesus. Thank you Lord. Lord we speak a boldness over your people this morning and Lord God we speak hope to your people this morning. We speak strength, we speak life, we speak joy. Father God, we speak unblocking of ears to hear your word. May you cause us to see you when you're walking with us, Lord God. I pray for understanding that we would understand times and seasons. Lord, we would see the test before it comes. May you make us a wise people. May you raise up a mighty army, Lord, that perseveres and endures. And we give you praise and we give you thanks, Lord God. Yes, Lord, this morning as we land this service, we just want to offer praise and thanksgiving to you. We just say that we choose to trust you, that you are our good God, that you are our good Father, that you always lead us, Lord God, according to goodness, according to mercy. And we, we acknowledge that this morning. Forgive us, Lord, where we've released words from our mouth, words of unbelief. 
Forgive us, Lord, where we haven't trusted you. Thank you for a grace to trust. Thank you for your mercy and your forgiveness. Thank you that you're a forgiving God. Thank you, Lord, this morning that you are every person here. You are our source. You are our provider. You are more than enough. And you are God who is with us. In Jesus' name, if you, if you agree with that and you, you, you're blessed, won't you give him a clap offering just to say thanks? Thanks.